So you have tools like Microsoft, Google, obviously, those are the two big platforms for, you know, doing business on right now. And so they do have some built in security features. And so I think as small business owners uh, make the assumption that those tools are going to get the job done for them. Right. And so um, you see Google acquired Mandiant over this last year. Microsoft's constantly acquiring these tools and they build them in. Uh, You know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, Sometimes they make the entire thing more clunky than it was before. It doesn't do anything. That's kind of been my experience. But one of the things that um, they need to really understand is that uh, the security features set up by Microsoft and Google specifically are not automatically turned on. So you have to go into your security settings and you need to make sure, A, that, they, that they're on, right? So that, that's a big thing is, uh, you know, understanding that these tools are not automatically going to protect you right out of the gate. Just stop it. The -the run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum, bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with arrows in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption, Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Our guest today is a dynamic disruptor driven by a profound distaste for the status quo. She's a tech visionary leading a groundbreaking venture that's reshaping the industry. Now, at the heart of her mission is a software democratization platform redefining how highly qualified buyers and software vendors connect. This platform is rewriting industry rules. But... Her expertise extends beyond tech with a knack or a very strong skill set for strategic storytelling and a deep understanding of audiences' needs. So why exactly are we talking to her today? Because she is challenging a paradigm shift in a world where cybercrime has become the second largest industry. A shocking 53% of companies are pouring their budgets into cyber tools that do not work, shockingly. It leaves them vulnerable to breaches and attacks occurring every seven seconds, and many of them, as we know, are going unreported. But this crisis hits small and medium-sized businesses especially hard, and the market's like jargon-laden with complex product data and marketing data making it difficult for anybody but experts to navigate the scene. So our guest is answering the call of consumer demand by allowing companies to try before they buy and ensuring that tools work as advertised. Please welcome our disruptor and learn how she's leading this revolutionary shift in cybersecurity and community-led growth, Mariana Padilla, co-founder and CEO of Kicker. Thank you, KJ, so much. I'm really happy to be here and chatting with you today. Yes, I'm so happy to talk to you too, because you guys are helping small businesses. And this has been such a pent up demand in the cybersecurity industry, like huge. But before we get into this, 
Okay. Let's let's talk about you because you're you're very unique, right? This master storyteller, you now you're in tech. What's your fundamental ingredient for disruptive innovation? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, prior to entering uh, the cybersecurity realm, spent a long time in marketing and learned a lot from that experience in terms of uh, really what is working, what is not working, um, traditional approaches that, you know, just are not holding water anymore. And so I would say that my key ingredient there is really uh, taking a human-centered approach to everything we do and really digging in and doubling down on a community-led growth is really what I'm passionate about and what I see as being the best path forward for companies in the future. You know, I love that, right? Because it's a community-led growth and it's human-centric. But, you know, in real terms, like you are just a no BSer. You don't like to put up with shit. Yes. <laughs> also true. Right? Like, <laughs> tell me, like, what does that mean in the cybersecurity industry? Because it's like, everybody loves to posture. I hate to say mm-hmm. that. And people are yeah. going to like, you know, hate me for it. No, actually, they'll tell me I'm exactly right. But they like to posture, use a lot of jargon, and it's all almost about like impressing each other instead Mm -hmm. of like the consumer, right? So why does this industry need that approach? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's so interesting being an industry outsider. So as I mentioned, didn't have cybersecurity experience before uh, joining Kickers, you know, marketing approach. And so it's been it's been very interesting to come in as an outsider with um, really having essentially a beginner's mindset, um, which is something that they talk about in, in you know, human-centered design, something that is talked about in design thinking in general is really being able to uh, take the blinders off, unlearn all the things you've learned and come at it with a fresh perspective. And so I did that just because because of the nature of not having that experience. And so I was able to come in and really see a lot of the things that are uh, really problematic in this industry. Um, You know, you go to trade shows and everyone's solution blocks things 100% of the time always. (laughs) Right. Or everyone, you know, well, why don't yeah. we just rewrite all their marketing pro, like promo for them? We block 100 percent of things 100 percent of the time, 100 percent of the time. And they're all global leaders. Right. I mean, to the <laughs> point where um, a good friend of mine uh, had just a, a slideshow of pictures that he took in, in Las Vegas recently, a black cat, which is one of the big industry shows. And it was just like essentially his his take on it was that they were copying each other's homework because they're all saying the same thing. And so, you know, as a as a marketer, I know and in my bones and, and businesses know this too, you have to have a way to stand out from the crowd to attract your customers, right? And Amen. so it just yeah. And so it seems to me like they haven't gotten that message. I'm not sure what's going on, but when you're saying the exact same thing as everyone else, you're running with the herd and you cannot, you know, have a way to distinguish yourself. So that's one of the things. And then, you know, when it comes to securing your organization, obviously uh, corporations have a leg up because they have the budget for this. They can pay a security team. They can pay for the tools. Um, Some of these tools can run anywhere from like $500,000 a year upward, right? So obviously that's going to be something that's out of reach for a lot of small, medium enterprise buyers. But, you know, there are tools out there specifically for those organizations. But again, um, you know, they're really missing the boat because it seems like they're talking to each other. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, It seems like... Like they're talking to each other. They haven't figured out a way of communicating exactly um, what it is and why it's needed. And so I think as a whole, uh, the general problem is there's really a huge communication problem among the industry. <laughs> it's so, so true. And it's so vitally important to communicate well. You know, I'm going to support you on 
what you've said about these, there's so many cybersecurity tools and they keep coming out, but they don't work. Um, I had another disruptor on the show, Walt Zablowski of Arison. He's been in the industry for you know, many decades with, you know, Ministry of Defense and so many large clients. And mm-hmm. he will tell, like, he's the best person in communicating also about this for enterprise because he says, you know, they're always coming out with new tools and they don't work. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I think it's a, I think it's valuable to keep communicating that. Mm-hmm. But even so, like small businesses, you're right, can't afford that crap. And mm-hmm. they also don't, I mean, if you, can't communicate. I mean, they don't understand the jargon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's laden with jargon. Yes. ABC, 100%. NBC, CDS, you know, one, two, three, right. <laughs> XYZ. Yeah. So we have small businesses, which is are the backbone of the mm-hmm. U.S. economy, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably the most vulnerable to yeah. breaches and attacks. I mean, mm-hmm. you gave me that stat occurring every seven seconds. Yep. It's like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do they even look for cybersecurity tools? Are they just like an apathy? Are they, how does that work for them? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, so there's a couple things going on. One, so you have tools like Microsoft, Google, obviously those are the two big platforms for, you know, doing business on right now. And so they do have some built-in security features. And so I think as small business owners uh, make the assumption that those tools are going to get the job done for them, right? And so um, you see Google acquired Mandiant over this last year. Microsoft's constantly acquiring these tools and they build them in. Uh, You know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, Sometimes they they make the entire thing more clunky than it was before. It doesn't do anything. That's kind of been my experience. But one of the things that um, they need to really understand is that uh, the security features set up by Microsoft and Google specifically are not automatically turned on. So you have to go into your security <laughs> settings and you need to make sure, A, that, they, that they're on, right? So that that's a big thing is, uh, you know, understanding that these tools are not automatically going to protect you right out of the gate. Um, learn that from someone that I was working with, uh, with Kick who spent some time at Deloitte. And that was the biggest thing she said. She went and was doing audits and she's like, all these companies assume that Microsoft has it has it covered, but then you go into their settings and they would fail their audit because none of their security settings were on. <laughs> so we'll just start there. That's one Uh-oh. thing. <laughs> okay. That's a huge thing. And small businesses wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so then, you know, there definitely are tools out there, but I think, um, you know, working with small businesses, working with companies from around the country, I think uh, when I have brought it up with them and I have, I have reached that conversation with some of them, uh, they don't really think that they are a target, right? We're not making enough money to be a target. We're not, we're not big enough to That's be a target. It's so untrue. It's so, so untrue, untrue, right? Yeah. And so if you, you know, I'm one thing, you know, random sidebar here, like obsessed with, uh, podcast about scam artists because, well, Ooh. I find it interesting, but love being ahead of the curve and understanding how they operate. But I mean, they're targeting people who are on, have a disability, you know, you search check. They are targeting people who get social security checks and asking these people to sign over like their one source of income. So someone who is making, you know, has no uh, source of income from a job can be targeted for a scam. Your business can be, can be targeted. Right. And so you know, that's I, I, true. And yeah. like $10,000 out of your business account, it's huge for a small business, $30,000. I mean, yeah. yeah, And it doesn't, you know, you collect 30,000 or 10,000 from many small businesses, you're rich. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And so I think the thing that I would want to communicate and have people understand is that you are a target. Everyone 
is a target. It does not matter the size of your business. You are a target. And, uh, you know, hoping and praying for the best is not a solution. And I think that's kind of where a lot of these small business owners are now um, is because, you know, when I when I talk to them and recommend some things we can do and recommend some tools, they don't understand. And so they're very intimidated when they go to these platforms and try to understand, is this something I need? You know, and they can be expensive. And it's like, well, is this something that's absolutely vital to my business? We haven't been targeted yet. We should be fine. But that's seems to be the approach that a lot of companies are taking is, you know, just uh, praying and hoping for the best. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it just takes one cyber attack to have your entire business that you've been building for the last 15 years go up in flames. That is true. And that's very scary. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I would imagine that they don't think that they're vulnerable to Mm -hmm. this. But also, if they even had an idea that they're vulnerable, they go online, like, Mm -hmm. how are they supposed to figure out what is supposed to protect them? Okay, so you're an outsider, you have an advantage, you come in, what did you learn about the industry that was so very shocking? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, I think it goes back to, you know, what we've been talking about is just the lack of communication. Right. So even these companies who are targeting small businesses are doing so in such a poor manner, like I said, that when these companies come to their website and they're trying to figure out what it is exactly they need to buy, they have no idea. And so I think, you know, the biggest problem and the thing I'm most shocked by, A, as you mentioned, you know, cybercrime occurs every seven seconds, massive, massive industry, only going to continue to grow. You know, you throw AI into the mix. Now it's like, oh gosh, now we have an entirely new thing that we need to worry about. And so there's a whole conversation to be had there about AI. Um, But it is clearly a need that individuals and businesses have, but there is a massive disconnect in how products are purchased and how they are communicated about. And so again, you have all these very highly technical, you know, brilliant technologists who have these, you know, products, some of them are great, some of them aren't, um, but they have not found a way to communicate to the general masses, right? So they're talking to CISOs, chief information security officers, or they're talking to people who, you know, they know are going to know what they're talking about, but that's only a small percentage of the people who are actually going to be purchasing their software. Um, so there has to be a better way, you know, like we, you know, in the introduction you talked about, democratizing the purchase process. There has to be a better way of doing this. This really puts cybersecurity companies on the hook. Yes, absolutely. Right, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody's really gone after SMBs. Mm-hmm. As far as this, like they've kind of just been left out in the cold. I mean, mm-hmm. remember back in the day? Well, you may not remember that because you were <laughs> in a different industry, but I remember working with the no before at the time, and mm-hmm. people, you know, had their he- head buried in the sand as far yeah. as cybersecurity. They just thought their malware was going to, you yeah. know, take care of it. But why hasn't no one really tackled SMBs? Yeah. I mean, you are starting to see it shift a little bit. Like specifically, there are some lower cost tools that we're kind of seeing come out. Um, Judy being one of them, um, Havoc Shield being another one uh, local to my my city of Chicago. Um, so you're, you are starting to see a shift, but I think it's just built on the assumption that, you know, the only targets worth going after for hackers were, were the, you know, the big the big guns, the big whales, what, whatever, right? Um, and so as those companies have adapted and built out the security teams and made it more more difficult, uh, 
that means that they need to have new targets. And that means that they're going to be going after these small, medium-sized businesses. But I think if you're looking at general like macroeconomic trends, thinking about how many people left uh, corporate life during COVID and how many of them started these businesses. So there has been a massive increase in the number of small and medium-sized businesses in the United States. And I would I would hazard a guess that, you know, like around the, the globe as a whole, um, because of the rise of the internet, you can have clients anywhere or you can work from anywhere. So there's a lot more businesses which means there are more and more targets. Um, but I mean, even just thinking about, I'm not you know, sure how many of your uh, listeners are familiar with the MGM attack. Major, major industry news that was accomplished through social engineering. Someone went on, looked for someone on LinkedIn, looked for a employee on LinkedIn, and then they called and said, I need my password reset. And that was it. They, they looked up someone's profile on LinkedIn, took 10 minutes. They late, basically took MGM down for seven days and they lost, you know, hundreds of million, I can't remember the exact number, but they lost a ton, a ton of money. So I remember that. Yeah. And if if I was right, they were really young hackers, right? Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So they said high school, early college. That's right. They were like 16. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, and, and MGM, we have to assume has all the best tools. They have all the best security teams because they can pay for it. They're a casino, right? So we have to make the assumption that they have the infrastructure that they thought would protect them and ultimately it didn't. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, there needs to be a lot more communication about basic cybersecurity hygiene, phishing, AI. So speaking about AI, right, you can have like deep fake voice you know, communications coming in. So we're going to have to figure out ways to adapt because the uh, bad actors are already adapting and making it harder. Yeah, I think that would be a really disruptive campaign because it's almost like people in the industry think the basic is too simple, but the basic cybersecurity hygiene should make a, a huge comeback. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I was even thinking about it, like within my own team, like how do we prevent this? And it's like, okay, on each team meeting, do we have like a word that we use? And if you can't use, like, say that word on the call, then you don't know, like, you're a, you're a threat actor, right? So it's even as basic as like, you know, those types of things. That doesn't need a two hundred thousand dollar tool to have like a you know, a password that you have to <laughs> verbally say to someone. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there, but there does. I love be, it. Yeah. yeah. Let's call then, it a comeback. Let's get a hold of Mellow Cool J, right? Let's do a word of the day every day. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea and this, you know, it's not an idea anymore. I mean, it, you guys put it into fruition, you know, democratizing the, the software platform, making mm-hmm. the try before you buy. Mm-hmm. What brought about this? Like, when did you guys say that's it? Like, mm-hmm. we're effing done with this. Yeah. This is absolutely. what we're going to do. Yeah. So my co-founder, Craig Elrod, has been in cybersecurity sales for 22 years, um, literally lived the pain of trying to sell software. And so um, what he was experiencing was because the purchasing process works like this, you have um, you have a demo that the sales team works with someone in order to see the inside of the product, you have to click on the talk to sales button, then you talk to a salesperson, they show you show you the demo, if it's a good fit, then you can continue on in the sales process, you go through a POV, which is a more extensive demo, 
sometimes they come on site and install the software and like a POC process, right? So we're, we're already talking about just the sales process itself taking weeks and weeks wow. just to determine whether or not this is a good fit for you. And so, um, you know, he was having a lot of challenges moving people through the funnel. People weren't showing up. They get on the call. They're not a qualified buyer because they don't know. They don't have any way of assessing whether or not something is right for them other than reading online or, you know, talking to their community. But, you know, if you're, if someone that you're talking to in your network is, is in a different industry, you know, that advice may or may not, you know, work for you. Right. So um, he essentially started building these, these automated demos for the companies that he was working for and saying, Hey, you know, buyers can come in and access this, or, you know, the sales team can use this automated demo to walk people through. Um, And so he essentially started building those for the companies that he was working with. And um, one of them that he was doing, uh, putting together, he was using a common vulnerability and seeing how the, the tool would perform against that attack. And it, it didn't didn't catch it, even though claiming that they catch it 100% of the time, totally like missed this log4j vulnerability. So going back to what you said earlier, a lot of these tools, you know, despite their claims of 100% success, don't even work, right? So we have all this money going out into tools that don't even work. So at, from that experience, he was like, man, we need to give buyers more autonomy in the purchasing process. We need to give them more power to assess, you know, these tools for themselves. We need to help them understand which of these work and which of them don't. Um, and so from that, uh, the idea for Kicker was born, which, you know, as you mentioned, is a, a way to connect buyers with, with sellers. And so essentially what we're building is an automated demo marketplace where buyers can come in and test software on their own time, try before they buy is really what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then I've lived, lived the pain of purchasing enterprise software, not specifically cybersecurity, um, but, you know, through my marketing work, had onboarded clients into these large CRM platforms, got them, you know, into these tools, all these things that we're buying. Um, and across the industry, the SaaS industry as a whole has a selling problem. It's not just cybersecurity. And so, I mean, it was just the most painful process. We had a, we had an you know, account rep who didn't even really know the tool. They were brand new. We didn't know what was in our package by the time we were ready to purchase. They didn't tell us there was this giant onboarding fee. We weren't sure which of the features we could use and which, which we couldn't. Then the sales team turned over in the middle of the process because there's a huge you know, sales because they're not meeting their targets. A lot of these people are quitting, getting laid off, all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, a whole other conversation about that type of thing. But um, it was just very painful, very time consuming. Uh, and so when I met Craig and he was like, hey, I want to, you know, really uh, change the way people shop for software and give them more autonomy in the process and make it easier for them to try before they buy, before they have to click on the talk to sales button. I was like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> You know, it's really, it's so good to have a duo like you guys have, mm -hmm. where someone's like a total outsider, community-led growth, and then someone who's an insider who's mm -hmm. just pissed off at the pain, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So why did you guys call it Kicker? Uh, well, it wasn't initially called Kicker. Initially, it was called Red Zeppelin, which I guess is fine, but uh, he didn't love it. And so one of the first things I did when I came on, we went through and rebranded. Um, and so I am a boat rocker by nature, as you mentioned. There's nothing I hate more than this is the way we've always done it mentality. I can't stand it. It drives me bonkers, like broken processes. I see them and they just drive me insane. Um, and so really, you know, Kicker, we're kicking tires and lighting fires, like come kick mm. the tires with us on the software, you know, uh, kick axe rebellion. So uh, it, it makes for great copy. 
yeah, it's just really fun. It's short. It's catchy. People get it. It does. <laughs> it does. Yes, 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 yes. New sign for your conferences. Not all are global leaders. Not yes. not 100% block things 100% of the time. Discover for yourself. Try before you buy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it just, it, it, one of the things that I always said when you talking to my clients through my marketing agency was you're talking to everyone, you are talking to no one. And so I think all these companies are trying to cast this giant net, but no one knows what the hell they're saying or why these products are right for them. You know, that's why they need a CEO that's marketing led like you, because even in our own industries, like marketing and PR, the number one mistake we always make is target publics. Mm -hmm. We forget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not the public people, right? It's a specific audience. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a misnomer. Yeah. The public is a misnomer. There could be a, you know, women public that like cool glasses. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That are interested in cybersecurity. I mean, today it's super segmented, right? Well, and it's, it's, I lived that. I made that mistake. When I first launched my agency, I mean, and you know, you're building up a business. You're like, I will do any project, anything to keep the lights on. Right. And it I want to eat. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I was, you know, I all marketing for small businesses. And it was just like, I was attracting clients that I didn't know, you know, like it wasn't an industry I knew anything about, you know, I would have done a bad job, like all those kinds of things. And once it was like, okay, narrowing it down very specifically, I work with like mission driven uh, B2B service providers making under like million dollars a year. That was like my target client. You have to get very specific. And so it seems it seems counterintuitive to like narrow down the number of people and be specific. You're like, well, I want to make more money. I work with everyone. No. It's like when, scary for people. Yeah, they yeah. don't realize mm-hmm. the power in being very specific. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was probably a game changer for your agency then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because absolutely. that's very like, I could see people going, oh, that's me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everybody, nobody thinks they're everybody. Yeah. I'm not everybody. I'm unique. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So tell me how this try before you buy is going. Who is like, who's, who are the early adopters who are loving it? Who, who is it pissing off? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I think for, um, some of these newer to the market cybersecurity companies were a great fit, right? So there are a lot of big, big boys uh, in in the market right now. Some of these big industry habit heavy hitters who've been around since like literally the inception of cybersecurity, right? Um, right? And a lot of them just keep acquiring these other companies so they can say they do all of the things all the time. Well, you know, whether or not they're effective is an entirely different question. Um, and I also think there's a lot to be said around like, um, working with larger companies and the access and availability to customer service, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so definitely a great fit for some of these smaller cybersecurity companies who are disruptors themselves. Um, I think we're going to see an entirely new wave of companies coming into market to address the challenges brought on by AI. Um, and so, you know, for mid-market cybersecurity and, and startup cybersecurity companies who maybe do not have a larger budget, they don't have money, a lot of money to spend on sales, but they need a different way to like scale or demo process, they need a better way of selling. Uh, I think Kicker is a great solution for them. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a specific company or, you know, demographic of that is, uh, well, and let me, let me take that back. Who doesn't like us uh, or who is being having their, their feathers <laughs> ruffled? Threatened. 
Uh, yes. Definitely, I would say some sales leaders are very averse to this. There is still a mentality that they are needed in the process. And I am not saying that sales salespeople are not needed in the process. Uh, you know, I may want to talk to someone, but I don't want to talk to them right off the bat unless I know this is something that I'm interested in. Let me give you two examples, Zoom Info and PitchBook. I have major problems with those two companies, not cybersecurity, uh, to the point that I don't want to work with them because in order to even see the inside of the product, you cannot see it, you cannot touch it, you don't understand what the features are, you have to talk to a salesperson first. And to the point that just made me so frustrated, I'm like, I don't want to even use this tool because I have to go through like a 30 minute sales call with someone before I can even see whether or not this product works. That to me, so backwards, doesn't work. Why would anyone do that? Uh, you know, in an era we can you, you can have product like growth and you can automate some of these demos or give people even free trials, that doesn't make any sense at all. So I think, you know, there's an old guard of salespeople who are still operating out of like a 2013 playbook who haven't realized that the, the industry has shifted, um, you know, with COVID, uh, decentralized decision-making, the rise of, you know, cloud and everything being in the cloud, those playbooks are not working anymore. And yet I still think they're trying to like hammer that peg into the, that square peg into the round hole, having that playbook and are still trying to operate from these outdated rules that just are not working anymore. So I would say th that group of folks are the ones who um, are yeah most averse to something like Kicker. But that being said, there are salespeople who are like, look, this just is not working anymore. We are not moving people through the sales funnel. People do not want to talk to us. I think specifically in cybersecurity, um, there is an aversion to talking to salespeople like cybersecurity professionals, uh, not to like, not everyone is like this, but you know, a lot, there's a commonality between like introverted, highly technical, all that kind of stuff. Do not want to talk to salespeople until they absolutely have to. We, I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard that they're like, I do not want to talk to these people. Like until, unless I absolutely I have to. I completely understand it. I mean, I know people are 70, especially B2B services, but they're 70% through the education and sales cycle before they ever contact you. They have enough information where they can feel like mm -hmm. they can have an intelligent conversation and have judgment yep. over what they're hearing or understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, this just is too logical. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know I have some other good statistics that I looked up. So uh, in 2022, B2B buyers conducted at least 12 searches before making any purchasing decisions and read at Whoa. least three pieces of content. So these are not people who are going in blind into you know, a sales call. These are people who have done their research. They've talked to their uh, community. They've done everything they can. And now they're at the point where, okay, if they want to purchase this tool or see or learn more about it, then they have to click on the talk to sales button. Button. But um, I mean, that the I think that specifically that quote, I will do anything to avoid clicking on the tax sales button has come up multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, verbatim, I yep. bet. Yep. Nearly yep. verbatim. Yep. Yeah, because you know yeah. what's going to happen. You're going to get you're going to be on this call with someone who's going to hard pitch you whether or not it's the right fit. Like they're going to try to sell you right out of the gate. You, you know what's going to happen. So it's just not yeah. a great experience. No, I completely agree. So who is Kicker's ideal customer profile? Yeah, absolutely. So we're a double-sided market. 
so there's a couple uh, different answers for that. So um, I would say on the supply side of the marketplace, these are going to be cybersecurity vendors, uh, cybersecurity startups. Again, great fit for great fit for us mid-market cybersecurity companies who are more established in the market, but looking for different ways to grow their market share. Um, you know, uh, enterprise companies, maybe not. There's not a lot of innovation happening there. There's a whole lot of group think happening there. And I don't want to like cast dispersions on everyone in these larger enterprises, but that seems to be my experience. You know, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of middle management happening. So maybe not the best fit for Kicker. So I would say uh, startups, mid-market companies. And then on the buyer side right now, we're really focused on, I would say, two groups of people. Um, those are going to be practitioners, um, you know, ethical hackers, people who are in the thick of it, living it every day, protecting their companies, learning about new threats, and then risk executives. So CISOs, CIOs, you know, ultimately the per- people who held the per- string. So a lot of times folks who are, you know, lower down on the food chain or were asked to do the due diligence on software um, to really understand what's out there. And so I think for them, Kicker's a great fit because they can come on and kick the tires, K-I-K the tires, uh, and then, you know, <laughs> test solutions and then ultimately say, okay, CISO, like, here's the things that we're most interested in. You can also go through and do these demos. So that's who we're really focused on right now. Um, in the next year, we really want to be able to be targeting, as we talked about, the small, medium enterprise buyers. So, you know, people at law firms, people at real estate companies, people, small regional banks or whatever, whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be. Um, And so, but there is going to have to be uh, an educational component of things built into that. So we're really, uh, we're pursuing uh, partnerships with leading cybersecurity education vendors to embed their content in their platform. Um, Again, because there's just such a lack of understanding and knowledge about cybersecurity, there's going to have to be we're going to have to bridge that gap. So um, that is coming. We're not quite there yet, but a year and a half from now, we'll definitely be there uh, working with those small, medium buyers to really help them understand, A, what cybersecurity is, really what they need, what they don't need, and then from there, be able to help them purchase products that best meet their needs. That is awesome. That's a one, two, three, super simple, super logical. I find disruptors like the simplicity. Absolutely. You know, it'd be really cool if people would download a glossary of all the freaking terms in the cybersecurity industry, you know, so they could kick the tires. I mean, that'd be amazing. You should do something like that. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a huge, again, you have the communication education piece of things like the SIM and the XDR and the EDR Mm -hmm. and the blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, what really just (laughs) tell me the use cases and how I would use this. And if this is even something I need to be worried about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let me ask a little bit about you. So what do you do outside of Kicker? Like, what are your crazy passions? Do you have any? I do. Well, okay, so I'm, I'm located in Chicago. I'm a big fan of my adopted city of Chicago. And we'll throw down for Chicago any day. Obviously, food is, you know, one thing we're known for and absolutely great food. But I, I just think it's a beautiful city, a lot um, great people, all those kind of things. Um I'm a sucker for uh, amazing, like French pastries, <laughs> sucker for croissants, sucker for like all, macarons, like all the whole nine yards, sucker for like just love uh, French pastries. So you usually on Saturdays, we uh, have croissant day. That's been our, our routine. And so that's my weekends. But then that's super fun. Yes. Do you have a particular one that you absolutely love. Is it the simplicity of just a, a really good croissant or a yes. chocolate croissant? Plain, or, plain. I, I'm a simple person. Yes, plain. You got to dip it in your cappuccino, though. That's that's the rule. <laughs> that's the rule. <laughs> okay. You know, who doesn't love it with all that butter? A hundred percent. Yeah. 
So I have three Labrador Retrievers. So if you connect with me on LinkedIn, you'll see them. They pop up frequently. I talk about them regularly. I'm the crazy, crazy dog lady. Um, I love it when people bring their pets on calls. I mean, I like cats. I like all animals, but you know, I'm, I'm a big dog fan at heart. So those are some of the things. Um, also I, uh, nerd out about space and sci-fi. I, I just find that science fiction is really helpful to get you out of the box. Right. So in terms of thinking about things that are possible, I think anything is possible, right. When you're thinking about the worlds we have yet to explore, like anything's possible, um, and so I just think that's very helpful to have that that mindset as a CEO in terms of thinking, you know, is this is this the way we have to do this or are there new ways of thinking and, and, and going outside of the lines and coloring outside of the lines? I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is one of the coolest aspects. I'm a sci-fi lover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, historically, sci-fi authors have brought to light ideas mm -hmm. like space travel yeah. and things like that that people before never thought of. Right. So I think that genre is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I just, don't, I just wish so many today weren't so dystopian. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They, they all start when the world ends, right? Right. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So tell our audience how they get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in learning more about what we're up to, Kicker, uh, kicker.co, K-I-K-R-R.co uh, is where you uh, can find more about Kicker. Also, um, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, my my handle is here to shake shit up, actually. So you can find linkedin.com slash here to shake shit up. Uh, very memorable. And that is me. Um, so those are the two places you can find out about what we are doing. And um, yeah, would love to have you along for the journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. And before we end off today, what food for thought do you want to leave our listeners with? Hmm. I guess the biggest food for thought is really just considering the fact that everyone is a target in today's uh, in today's world. Um, you may not think that you have a target on your back when it comes to cybercrime, but really anyone can be anyone can be a target for any reason, um, whether it's cyber stacking, ransomware, whatever it is. There's all sorts of uh, bad actors online, and you really need to be. Uh, cognizant of that and protect yourself and protect your business and praying for the best is not uh, not a viable option anymore. There you go. Protect yourself. Yes. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed or like Labrador Retrievers or croissants, <laughs> go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never, ever accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency client relationship between Joto PR and the user.